and welcome back to Night Cheese. This is Steven. And I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> well, uh, spoiler alert uh, for those of you who catch and that. And I'm Tim. Now, yeah, uh, Tim's here again, <laughs> and uh, as always. And uh, Jared is joining us again. I think, uh, Jared, I think, we, you know, we could just start charging you rent if you want, you know. <laughs> and um, no, J- Jared has become a, a, a recurring guest of ours. Um to uh you know provide the insights that he does so jared welcome back thanks yeah glad to be here so um i want to thank everybody who uh, gave uh our episode thunderous applause a listen last week um where we discussed idiocracy and 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 you know i kind of thought we'd be on the other side of that by now um i guess that was my own personal idiocracy <laughs> um for thinking that we'd be done uh there there are still votes being counted uh on the other screens and in, in each of our houses right now um we're keeping an eye on things and uh strangely enough georgia is really in the mix which is uh, a state that that all three of us have a lot of history with if not residency so mm-hmm. yep We'll see what happens. So we we may have an impromptu reaction if something crazy happens in the middle of recording this. I don't know, but we'll <clears throat> we'll we'll try to be responsible as we can. So we've uh, we've gotten past idiocracy. Uh, we've got a few more weeks uh, left in November, and uh, we just thought, uh, kind of anticipating that November might be a stressful month. I, I mean, that's just a shot in the dark that it could be a stressful month for people that we would try to relax a little bit with the remaining episodes we have this month and just kind of talk about, you know, not, um, <clears throat> I don't know, not try to, I don't want to say not try to be too deep, but the films we picked were just ones that, you know, are kind of near and dear to our hearts for one reason or another. Um, and something that we just thoroughly enjoy. And so in, uh, in doing that, uh, we are going to, start off uh tonight with our first film um that we have a a deep affection for which is 1993's tombstone and so with that um i'd like to welcome you to tonight's episode red dead reckoning so um tombstone uh tombstones it's a it's a western film from the early 90s um really actually looking back even it was a pretty star-studded cast then but even with the passage of time um it's it's still kind of grown uh as well um kurt russell val kilmer sam elliott bill paxton powers booth michael bain dana delaney charlton heston and several others as well um even even some bit parts i know i noticed uh the most recent time i watched this that terry o'quinn from uh lost fame yeah. was was in this as well that i wouldn't have known to look for and also uh a really brief cameo scene from billy bob thornton as well uh before he really exploded into his stardom so um yeah a lot lots going on there so um you know i, I don't know maybe before we get into the nuts and bolts of it like uh what do you what kind of relationship do you guys have with this film was this like a first for you or you know have you seen it a few times what are some of the things that kind of jumped out for you before um and uh tim uh you you can go first (laughs) yeah this is one of those movies that um i actually i'm embarrassed to admit it's one of those that i'm you know there's like I feel like all of us have like a like you know a chunk of films that you feel like you should have seen but haven't hadn't yet and yeah. this is definitely this is one of those for me, and it's kind of boggling to me because it's one of those films. I remember even as it, like when it came out as a kid, everybody I knew was talking about this film. 
Um, I saw mm. posters of it everywhere. I saw, you know, like the VHS. Like I, I just, it was like a part of my, pre- it was kind of everywhere I looked, but for some reason it kind of escaped my attention. Even, even my stepfather, who's kind of, um, that was around the time he became a part of our family. He's really into Western. Like, I feel like there's so many ways I should have seen this movie and just never did never happen until literally just to, to prepare for this episode. But it's one of those I knew I needed to, and I was excited to do it. And, uh, yeah, it didn't let me down. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still surprised it took this long to, to finally see it. Mm. Okay. Jared. Um, yeah, I'm good to go. I just took a swig of my Lanta, if you saw on the video <laughs> there. So, uh, that's my, I'm not drinking alcohol or anything. I'm down in like my Lanta and Pepto-Bismol and that's, that's not even a joke. I'm playing it as a joke, but I'm genuinely doing that. So anyway, re- rewind 27 years or so to a simpler, much simpler time. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it was 93. Was it 93 yeah, that this 93 was the yeah. theatrical release. Yeah. 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 So. I think the first time I saw it was actually um, in the theater, actually with um, uh, with my dad, who rarely ever saw movies. You know, we, we weren't close and he rarely ever saw movies or anything. Um, but he was uh, and not just into Westerns, but um, the best way I heard it put one time is that it's like you it's like you drove the DeLorean back to about 1845. Um, my dad hopped in and you brought him on over to, you know, the, the 20th century. So he was just <laughs> really awesome. into, really into that kind of life, you know, life. And I grew up on a farm and we always had horses and, um, uh, he, like he thought that eventually horse and buggy would come back. <laughs> I'm not right. kidding. Uh, and, and, well, listen, and, that- the night is young, Jared. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> and, in his, and, and in his defense, yeah, like uh, within the last five years, nothing really would surprise me. That that might be where we're headed. We'll see. <laughs> so um, so anyway, so I, I think that was the first time. I don't know if maybe because I don't think I would have gone to see this on my own probably at the time. I think I just kind of got like dragged into it um, there and wasn't expecting much. And then, of course, uh, loved it. Um, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good movie. It's a, I think it's a very good movie, but you know, to me, it's kind of like, I guess maybe what I would compare it to would be, um, the dark Knight, where it's a good movie or a very good movie, but one character Mm. really kind of defines it Mm. and puts it over the top for this very memorable performance for for me yeah um so that's that's kind of my relationship with the movie i've seen it multiple times then since then i didn't get a chance um to go back and see it uh this week with everything else that's been going on Uh, i probably should have just broken away and watched it to kind of clear my head a little bit but i did go back and watch some of the scenes i've seen it multiple times um so yeah so that's my that's my relationship with it Mm. Yeah, um, sim. I well, I don't know that I have a similar experience to either of what you guys said, but both of what you each said was was pretty stark um, <clears throat> and specific. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, this was one of many films that I watched with my dad. Um, you know, Tombstone's an interesting. It's an interesting western because there was this sort of 
I, I don't I don't say I'm making this up necessarily, but I think there was this kind of resurgence of westerns in the early '90s. Uh, like this came out in '93, which was um, right after Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven had won Best Picture, um, which was kind of really the first Hollywood Oscar in a long time. Uh, Hollywood Oscar, sorry. <laughs> first Hollywood <laughs> Western. Um, Hollywood Western to, to get, well, definitely to win an Oscar. Um, you know, I, I guess you could make the argument for Kevin Costner's Dances with Wolves, but I've always thought of that as more of a, number one, I've never seen it. And number two, I've always kind of received that as a war film rather than like a Western, you know. Um, but just, you know, your sort of old school throwback Western um, you know, you had that in 92 and then of course, Tombstone is the story of Wyatt Earp and, 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 uh, the people around him. And it's, it's, it is, a based on a true story to an extent. Um, and, uh, after that, Kevin Costner comes around again and actually releases another film about Wyatt Earp that's, you know, the called Wyatt Earp in 94. So it kind of had that deep impact Armageddon situation, um, where you had two films that were on similar, if not the same subject matter, um, released in sort of a short time frame. So um, I don't know that I would say Tombstone gets lost in the weeds. I think Tombstone is definitely the more memorable film out of both of those, for sure. Um, and I will say, what's weird is I can remember seeing Costner's wider film in the theater um, with my dad, but I, I know I didn't see Tombstone in the theater. I saw it on VHS, uh, at some point. So I don't know, I guess maybe I was just a little too, I was maybe right on the precipice of my uh, dad thinking I was mature enough to handle going to R rated movies as a preteen. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, the interesting thing to me about Tombstone, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, if you know, but this is just kind of feel like it's been my experience is when you bring up this movie in conversation, like I liken it. I think Dark Knight is a good, good, uh, is a good comparison for the reason that you mentioned, Jared. But also I take it kind of like uh, Shawshank Redemption or other movies. They're movies that you kind of know are out there. Hmm. And, 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 um, Number one for me, I don't know anybody who hates this movie. Um, and also, this is going to sound kind of contradictory. I kind of wish I hadn't said that, but um, <laughs> because the people I know who do like this movie love this movie. Like, so it's, yeah, that's what made me think of Shawshank is just like, you know, like, I don't know people mm -hmm. who are kind of in the middle on Shawshank, you know, like, yeah. They're just like, yes, that's great. Which yeah. I mean, I use Shawshank because that's I think that's IMDb's number one yeah. user rated film and has been for decades at this mm -hmm. point, um, which is really telling about the user experience versus the critic experience, which brings me mm -hmm. to the next point is that Rotten Tomatoes in particular. So IMDb gave it a 7.8, um, which, you know, in my personal opinion is a little low, but that's OK. I mean, I'm not going to it's not something I would really argue over. It's not like uh like Get Out had that same score, and I'm actually more offended that Get Out was ranked that low than Tombstone. But, mm -hmm. um, but the Rotten Tomatoes discrepancy was not something I was expecting. So um, it is rated fresh, but the critics gave uh, ha it have it as a score of 74, which is in line with IMDb. But the user rating is 94. There's a 20 point discrepancy between users and critics 
um, on Rotten Tomatoes for Tombstone, which um, which tracks with my first theory there about like, you know, knowing everyday people. And I think it's just the unbridled magnetism of this cast. Mm -hmm. I think Um, the chemistry is off the charts. Yeah, Um, it is. It is. It is almost a. In in terms of how well the characters kind of get along with each other, mm-hmm. both hero and villain, it's almost an Ocean's Eleven level of of Western. Like, yeah, they almost look like they're just having a good time being on yeah. screen together. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you know it's yeah, it stars Kurt Russell plays Wyatt Earp, um, which uh, I might come back to him later. Uh, but so he's uh you know he's the lead, um, and and I think he he was solid as a lead for a long time. The older I get. And the more I go back to watching it, though, I love his performance more and more. Same. Um, and so, your your true magnet into this film is is Val Kilmer, um, uh, who plays Doc Holliday. And so uh, I should have no, not that we're a video podcast by any stretch of the imagination, but I should have brought my uh, my I have a Wyatt and a Doc uh, Funko Pop uh, in my office at work that I keep under my my monitor for for such an occasion. Um, and, uh, should, should be brandishing it for tonight's episode just for the, for the three of us. But, um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Val Kilmer's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, he was already famous. So calling it a star making performance may be a little bit of a, uh, inappropriate term, but, but, uh, it was, I, I think that probably the performance of his career, mm-hmm. um, this film, actually his performance in this film, uh, actually got him the job for Batman. Uh, and Batman Forever. Uh, Joel Schumacher knew somebody um, who, let's see. Yeah, it was when, no, he didn't. When Joel Schumacher saw Tombstone, that's when he wanted Val Kilmer to play Batman, which honestly, that line of logic. Right. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't get that. Um, to be, When you say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, I mean, listen, Kilmer wasn't, wasn't a bad Batman. Um, right. He was far from the worst, um, but I, seeing him as Doc Holliday does not make me think. You know what? Right, that's right. my next Batman. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and surprisingly enough, uh, Kilmer was not the first choice uh, for for Holiday either. Actually, it was Willem Dafoe, um, right. the old Green Goblin himself. Um, <laughs> and as you know, as, as history would have it. Um, Defoe had kind of fallen out of favor with the studio because he had done the last temptation of Christ, which, uh, was not imagine that well received, uh, with <laughs> yeah, I audiences. For- I forgot how recent that was. I forgot that it, that had come out in 1988. That was not yeah. that long ago. Yeah. It was not far oh, away man. from, from, from at least when they would have been shooting this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they were like big, no, on Defoe for for Tombstone, so they end up getting Kilmer anyways, and I mean the the rest is history on that. That they couldn't have, could not have done a better job um, with casting with, with that. He he completely knocked that that role out of the park. Um, strangely enough, so this was one of my dad's favorite movies uh, too, and so he would sometimes tell me a few historical things. He I think he really enjoyed he really enjoyed westerns, so he had seen. I think multiple film adaptations of the story of tombstone and the gunfight at the okay corral and stuff like that. And he had told me at one point, so I, he's my historical reference for this. Um, but that apparently doc holiday in his younger days was a dentist in Griffin, uh, Ooh, Georgia. 
Um, I, no I, I don't know. I don't know for how long um, in his life, but apparently he had spent some indeterminate amount of time in Georgia, um, which that makes sense that he's from Georgia because he um, Doc Holliday was a cousin of Margaret Mitchell, the author of Gone with the Wind. And apparently um, trivia says that she modeled the Gone with the Wind character of Ashley Wilkes after Doc Holliday. The, the real oh, wow. Doc Holliday. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, so it's all it's all very interesting. So anyway, I'm getting too much into the historicity of, of everything um, because the film itself is good enough to stand on its own, and and, and I don't know why I keep going down that. Um, the film, as, as um, one might expect, it didn't really garner a lot of uh, critical acclaim or, or, or attention in terms of awards. Uh, Val Kilmer actually... Uh, was the only person from the film to to get any nominations. He was nominated for two MTV Movie Awards. Imagine <laughs> that for his role as Doc Holliday, um, best best male performance. And um, I'm kiss. not kidding. Well, uh, most desirable male was the uh, what? Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, you know the character who had tuberculosis for the entire movie yeah, and was, was cough, coughing up a lung and pale bleeding and most, sweating, <laughs> pale and sweating and sweaty and pale and just yeah and the most desirable for sure. There's That's there's a crazy. there's a a movie that I remember him. Um, it's uh, I think it's The Saint, where oh. where it it like played him up as sort of this. I, I just googled it to make sure I wasn't like imagining this or whatever but it kind of like the the cover of that sort of played him up as sort of this you know pretty boy that was 97 mm -hmm. so i guess that yeah. came that came later but i mean yeah i get it in terms of like you know the way he played the role in in batman and um the saint and stuff like that you know it, it they were completely different but yeah coming off of um off of tombstone that is very interesting <laughs> yeah for sure Oh my goodness. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> this, um, you know, and also too, for what it's worth, um, for, you know, fans of, of older Westerns, uh, I think one, that's one thing I kind of like about this film too. Uh, not that I'm much of a student of Western films, uh, of historical Western films, but, um, this film also kind of does nods and throwbacks to old classic Western actors. Mm -hmm. Um, Harry Carey Jr., uh, who is a famous Western actor from previous years, is in it. Uh, and I think, now I might be making this up, um, it, it may not have been the last film, but one of the last films of Charlton Heston, too, I think, mm. um, who is in it as well. Um, and so they had even tried to get uh, Robert Mitchum, who um, the, the role that I remember him the most for was the original version of Cape Fear. He was the villain and and that um, he was signed on to be in it, but he ended up getting injured, I guess, during shooting and they just cut his character altogether, I think. Um, wow. So, yeah. So, uh, so Kurt Russell is sort of the ghost director of this film. It's a, uh, uh, initially uh, the screenwriter, Kevin Jar was, was also directing, but they, they said he was fired. So I don't know if he was fired mm -hmm. from both writing and directing or just directing. And they hired George P. Uh, Cosmatos, Anyway, in October of 2000, Kurt Russell admitted that he was um, he direct he Kurt uh, directed a majority of the picture, 
and that Cosmatos was there kind of just sort of to oversee. He was the game manager, the the, the Alex Smith, if you will. Um, may he heal soon. Um, and so um, they, they, Kurt Russell stated that the film was almost cast. We already mentioned Willem Dafoe as Doc Holliday, but also Richard Gere was almost cast as Wyatt Earp. Oh. And no. Richard Gere and Willem Dafoe as Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday sounds so terrible to me. Well, I, I don't know if you saw where you were talking about the, the connection to Costner and Wyatt Earp. Yeah. So, so I guess apparently originally it was Costner that they wanted for Wyatt Earp in Tombstone. Um, but he turned it down because he wanted more of the focus in, in a very sort of Tom Cruise move. Mm. He wanted, he wanted more of the focus to be on Wyatt Earp as uh, opposed to, yeah. You know, characters like Doc Holliday and, and some of the other supporting cast. And so apparently, like, he went on this little vendetta against <laughs> the, the movie where he tried to keep it from uh, getting funding. And, and so wow. it eventually had to go to, like, Buena Vista, which was this little, you know, like, offshoot of Disney. Um, so that's how it eventually got to to that point and then like you said it was then at first at first they were going to use gear as um as Wyatt Earp and they were thinking of uh in addition to to William Defoe I guess maybe after they canceled him or or Mm -hmm. whatever they thought about using Kurt Russell instead for Doc Holliday uh so it's really interesting to see like how it could have played out differently I mean it would have it would have completely ruined the the vibe there oh for sure it it just goes to show like sometimes like what people want is not you know or what people think would be the best the the fallback options end up being way better you know Mm -hmm. there there's an alternate timeline where i'd like to see like a deleted scene of kurt russell testing as doc holiday i mean it wouldn't be anything like kilmer because they're just their sensibilities as actors are just Mm -hmm. too so different like it russell is perfect for for Earp, like his sort of steely resolve and you know he plays that that sort of no no frills no nonsense kind of i say no yeah. nonsense he has been kind of a goofball before i think of like big trouble in little china and stuff like that but yeah but he's uh which speaking of which also john carpenter almost directed this yeah. film as well yeah um do you know that went on weird, really weird yeah. Do, do you know how to get to that alternate timeline? Because I might be willing to. I, <laughs> I might don't be willing, know who the president is. I might Jared, be willing sorry. to. I might be willing to trade <laughs> Doc Holliday uh, in exchange for a for a simpler, saner timeline. That it I might, turned, might be willing to do that trade off. We, we give up Doc Holliday, but it turns out Jared Jared Leto's Joker is in the is in the Christian Bale trilogy. I'll just I'll just take I'll just take my Tombstone DVD or Blu-ray with me over <laughs> yeah, that other yeah. time. <laughs> Oh my! Oh gosh! Okay, so um, so into into the plot a little bit. So like you know, we talked about casting. You, you mentioned that about Costner's sort of vendetta against Tombstone and and um, wanting to be the focus of the story and stuff. Originally, this was meant to be a much broader epic that went into multiple characters, and you you almost kind of see yeah. remnants of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it's almost like would, little plot lines that don't they start. But then they kind of fade away. They don't really go anywhere. And I think that's what's fascinating is that is is how much they were able to preserve 
of fleshing out their characters yeah. because they really did focus in and make this a story about why Wyatt and Wyatt Doc and and Wyatt's brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think about the, the, the cowboys, which are the you know the villains of the story, it is this basically this this posse, this gang of. Uh, gang of criminals uh you know the, the the opening narration of the film is fantastic it just feels so um i wish i don't know if i wrote it down or not the the name of the actor who was the uh who was the narrator but um it was a famous uh, another famous old western actor oh actually um, i think it was robert mitchum was it was mitchum who, yes it he, was mitchum he instead of yeah the role it's, that he was gonna have they gave him the he narrator was, role. Yeah, I think he was going to be Clanton, old old man Clanton. They say, you know, Ike's father. I'm guessing, uh, um, but yeah. So yeah, Robert Mitchum is the narrator of the film, and it's just pitch perfect voice for for the tone of the film. And he's describing kind of who the cowboys are, and, and mentions that they're sort of the uh, historically documented first um, first example of organized crime in America. And so basically, they're just a gang that you know, and they and they set them up you know i know i know i use you know wrestling lingo a lot to my friends and stuff but they're set up really good as heels in this movie like from the beginning they make a they make a great impact they like you know they they crash this wedding and Mm -hmm. and um and do terrible things to people yeah and even even murder a priest and and what's so interesting is that you even begin to see like i'm just so surprised that there's in this film with this gang that's probably like what 25 30 large i think um, it's maybe maybe bigger than that i think like i don't yeah i'd have to look back and see but i think it ended up growing like pretty big yeah but you spend even just a modicum of time with at least like let's see five to eight of them um it throughout the course of the movie to where you can at least get sort of a, a droplet of character out of all, you know, they spend the most time with, uh, powers booth, uh, curly bill and, and, uh, J- uh J- Johnny, Johnny Ringo, um, played by Michael Bain and Ike Clanton, uh, played by Stephen Lang. And, and, um, but Thomas Hayden church is one of the Cowboys too. Um, he gets a little bit of time. Uh, Michael Rooker, uh, also uh, another yeah. uh, uh, character that shows up on there. Um, and anyway, uh, I, I, I was fascinated um, just, just the way the story gets fleshed out. Like it, it's, it's, it's great. Um, it's a great execution of simple story structure. I would mm-hmm. say, um, you know, they establish the villains straight out mm-hmm. and they already foreshadow. I think it's just, it's my, one of my favorite things in the film is sort of the theme of righteous vengeance, I think. Um, and Ringo, who is sort of the quiet psycho of the, of the gang and, mm-hmm. and, and is already proven from the first scene to be the most sociopathic and, uh, out of all of them. Um, is is also the most intelligent because they prove that like he knows Latin or right. whatever that, <laughs> and um and because he he murders this priest in front of everybody and the priest was quoting Revelation at him, uh you know foretelling uh the the horseman of death, and uh and immediately you know boom cuts right to Wyatt arriving into town, and uh with his family and stuff so uh you know it's 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 a uh, again it's not a story that hasn't been told in many other films. But sometimes an old story just put with the right people 
just hits in a, such a satisfying way. And I think that's what this movie is, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, Wyatt and his family come to tombstone because he is a former sheriff who is retired and he just wants to basically exploit, <laughs> exploit the town to get rich and yeah. retire. Um, and he wants to bring his brothers into it to share the wealth with them and, and, you know, really just kind of live large. And, um, Little does he know that he's coming to a very corrupt and dangerous town to where all of the law enforcement and politicians are trying to get him to be the sheriff there. And like he already I think one chuckle I always got out of Russell's performance was whenever somebody who who looked even remotely well dressed came to him, he'd just say, hi, I'm retired. Like yeah. he's like, I don't want the job, and like he has yeah. not been offered the job, but he already knows. He's just like, no, nope, not interested. Right. Um, and uh, just so, just so amusing. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, there is a, eventually these things come to a head, right? Like he's, um, it, it comes to. I'm, I'm skipping a little over the place, but I, 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 I enjoy. Uh, you know, the film does take out. Uh, take this moment and it's not something I really paid much attention to because again, you just get sucked into Doc Holliday's performance and sometimes you just don't see all the other stuff mm-hmm. because you're so focused on him. Yeah. But Sam Elliott is Sam Elliott is great in this movie. Yeah. Like he's just like, when I hear Western, I expect Sam Elliott to be in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, he is the first brother to crumble and decide to take up you know, defending the town. And there's a small scene where he sees, he almost sees a a mother and child get trampled by stampeding cowboys, just recklessly running through the town. And he's just, uh, you know, he's the first one who takes a stand even within his own family to say like, I cannot live in this town and look at these people knowing that they're suffering, knowing that there's something I could, I could try to do about it. Right. Um, but on the on the other flip side of that, you know, you get the idea that Wyatt is this whole time is just like he's just casually like I've done my time and I don't want to do it anymore. Right. But there's a great scene they have in a in you know they're arguing in in the jail where Wyatt points out he's like you are played by Bill Hold on Paxton. Mm-hmm. It always takes me a minute. Um, where he just says you you don't want to know how it feels to have to have taken someone else's life. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to say this for a political sense, but I mentioned this to Tim before in a previous episode about the Netflix series daredevil. And I think that there's so many really, I I find a show to be more pro-life in, in theme, whether they mean to or not when they place enough gravity on death. Right. Um, and, and this film, at least for the first two thirds of it definitely does. Right. Um, and then it just de-evolves into an action sequence, which it, <laughs> to be fair, earns it in my opinion. Right. Um, you need some sort of cathartic release once we get to that point. But anyway, I've talked all around doc holiday, um, and got to, so let's, let's go ahead and open that can. And you guys, uh, you guys jump in about doc, uh, while I, um, take a drink of something and, and look at uh, electoral college map. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. Yeah. So as, as coming into this, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of embarrassed now. I made the joke about the, I'm your Huckleberry. I, I've heard that quote before, but I had no <laughs> idea it was from this movie. I had no oh, yeah. clue. And I, I mean, I knew, 
I knew the cast generally of this film, but I had, I just didn't know who was who. I, di- I just didn't know anything. I just remember the the front cover of the like the the VHS the DVD, you know, Val Kilmer, you know, Kurt yeah. Russell, Sam Elliott. Anyway, and so I just I didn't know who was who. I didn't know anything about this movie, and I was just so. I mean, the cast was great all around, but yeah, Val Kilmer. As Doc Holiday, he he was the guy that made me regret not seeing this sooner. He was his that whole performance. He just every scene, everything he was in, he just chewed it up. The uh, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite moments was that in, in the bar. You know, he was bed. I mean, this is a very you know, uh, but the he kind of interacts with another. I can't remember the guy's name now. Joe or John? John Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo. Yes. Uh, and Johnny Ringo just kind of like shows off his like gun, pl- you know. Well, first of all, the Latin and then the gunplay, you know. Kind of- I want to talk about the Latin. When, yeah. <laughs> when we, we, I want to circle back around to that too. Totally. Go, go ahead. No, but I just I expect okay, you know, Doc Holliday, he's inebriated, but he's still he's going to do something even cooler that's going to blow people's minds. And I love how he just kind of mocks him, and it's perfect. And yeah. he didn't he didn't need to like overshadow or like show off. He just needed to kind of make fun of him. And I, I things like that and, throughout the whole yeah, movie. Oh, man. He wins the approval of the crowd. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, and he just totally, there, there's nothing more satisfying yeah. than, than diffusing an aggressive person yeah. in front of a crowd with humor. Yeah. Um, whether that be in real life or virtually. And it was one of those things that even though he didn't show off how great he was, just being able to make fun of him, you knew, okay, later on, he's going to really be amazing. Like, he, well, and the uh, way they plant the seeds for yeah. that eventual fun, like they, mm-hmm. they tease you multiple times before yeah. you actually get it. And it's just so good. Like mm-hmm. the scene where he's mm-hmm. like, he's getting a haircut, you know, on the porch and Ringo's drunk <laughs> this time and screaming and ready to kill somebody. Yep. And he just calmly walks out and you think, you think he's just coming out to taunt him and the way the camera pans around mm. to show that he's got his gun behind his back the whole time yeah. and oh, everything. Man. Oh man. It's just so, so good. Yeah. Well, J- Jared, you, you brought up doc, man. We're, we're robbing you. of an <laughs> No, no, that's for to, sure. Uh... No, no, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's same thing. Same thing for me. Uh, you know, just one of, when I think of the most memorable characters that I've ever seen, um, He's he's got to make for a movie the top 10 list. Now, you know, sometimes for a TV show where you've had the opportunity to watch a character, you know, grow and change over five, seven, you know, 10 seasons or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a kind of a different uh, it's apples to oranges. But sure. For a movie, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite um, characters. And I and I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I relate in as much of a way as you could relate to Doc Holliday. And I mean, of course, he's such a cool character in the movie. You know, it's it's you're you're flattering yourself if you try to, um, you know, uh, compare yourself to him or whatever. But just in terms of like attitude, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I, I feel like I, I relate on that in terms of especially with with the Johnny Ringo thing. And and yeah, we see today in society this sort of. Um, you know, it gets labeled as, as toxic masculinity. And then, and then even using that term, of course, then, um, 
you know, just just leads people to believe that that you're on one side of the political fence, however you want to describe it. I don't usually use it as that, but um, there is sort of this like, you know, macho over the top sort of macho thing that we've seen um, that I am pretty bad to just mock. Uh, I mean, yeah. of course, most of that's online, but <laughs> if you know me, like I don't mind doing it to people's faces, too. Call, so call it like you see it. Right, right. So uh, that's that's one of the things I appreciate most. But yeah. I mean, he he has so many good lines mm-hmm. in this movie, and so many, and like like Tim said, like you know, not even just lines. Uh, it, it, the scene with you know where he's twirling the 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 tin cup instead, he needs to say nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just dominates that scene at the end by by twirling the cup. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just like you said, uh, you, I think you told me about the deal that they had on, uh, his Funko pop at Amazon where I got it, you know, for seven bucks, um, and free shipping or whatever. So that was too good to pass up. So, uh, yeah, just, just one of my, definitely one of my top 10 all time favorite characters. And, and I can't even, mm-hmm. you know, again, I can't narrow it down to like, oh, this is my favorite line. It would, it'd be tough to like come up with a Damn. with a top yes. th- a top three lines probably yeah uh, so yeah just just a mm-hmm. plus and, and you know and and people i see people knock val kilmer's acting a lot and i don't really know exactly where yeah some of that comes from i mean i, I guess overall he doesn't have a ton of um you know of these sort of academy award-winning performances or whatever but and maybe I just, you know, my view of him is too skewed by Tombstone. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I thought he just did a great job. Yeah. He he kind of appeared as a fully formed, completely unique character. Like, he just, Val Kilmer just nailed him. I mean, completely from the moment you meet him, you just knew him. I don't know. I Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. And there's something something really endearing to to Wyatt and Doc's friendship mm, because they're yeah. so they're so different. Yeah. Um. And I and honestly, in, in a way, I guess in today's society, I'm I'm, I'm kind of war- warmed by that. Like you know, yeah. like the, these guys do not look at the world the same way. I mean, you know, they end up on the same side of a lot of conflicts. You know, um. <clears throat> but uh, I think they have a similar sense of justice. But 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 um. Wyatt, while while strong um and 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 a strong resolve is pretty meek and and mild to it to an extent uh whereas doc is is just out out and brash and and mm-hmm. um has no problems telling you how he feels about things and and why it does not see the need in escalating a situation that does not need to be escalated right. and usually two people with those philosophies are a little bit like oil and water right. but <laughs> but i love the moments where like like i think it's a sam elliott virgil that's his character's name or, or where he's just like uh like doc's here and then like why it just goes he makes me laugh you know, yeah. like it's just, you know, it's just, just simple <laughs> chemistry. You know? And he's just like, ah, uh, he's my friend, you know, well, and that's yep. reciprocated later on in the movie, too. And really probably one of the more uh, strangely heartwarming moments, because Doc is the thing about Doc is that he's suffering from tuberculosis. He he drinks like a fish and he he gambles 
into way hours into the night into the next day. So he lives terribly. He lives mm-hmm. very debaucherously, and he's not healthy, and he's and he's dying of a disease that that there's no cure for at this time. And and so um, he ends up on this, you know, this excursion with Wyatt and a few other characters near the end of the movie, and they're like, Doc, you know. Mm-hmm. you have no business being out here. And, and his just response is why it is my friend. And there's this exchange. Of the other guy's like, well, I got lots of friends and yeah. he very quickly goes, I don't. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. and that's just, a, um, Oh man. Like you said, there's just so many good quotes from doc. Um, and yeah, I, I was, I was going to bring that one up because that yeah. was what stuck was what stuck in my mind too, is you see, and that's, that's the thing that I love about him is, you know, you there's this perception of sometimes um, I guess maybe you would call him disreputable or whatever yeah. uh, in, in the eyes of a lot of people uh, that, you know, that that people who are, you know, living a, a lifestyle, a, a certain way of of, you know, debauchery or whatever, or, you know, it, it kind of gets um extrapolated across the board or like, well, they're untrustworthy and have no loyalty or this, that, yeah, and the other no sense of loyalty, right? No yeah. sense of loyalty. And you, like you see, uh, in, in just him saying those two words there and like how he says it about, um, you know, I, I don't, you know, in terms of friends, like how having a loyal friend, how much that means to him and how, um, you know, he's willing to reciprocate that loyalty, uh, no matter what, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he'll, he, you know, defends him with his life. I mean, you know, on multiple right. occasions and, uh, it's, it's powerful stuff. So I, I want to go back to the drunken standoff, uh, scene and go through that for a minute because, uh, it's really entertaining because it does, you, you get to see both Wyatt and Doc's personalities on display on front street in this, like, Wyatt has managed to uh, acquire a uh, a gambling game in one of the saloons to help you know get some income, and the cowboys bust into the the bar one night, being rowdy and raucous and whatnot, along with you know led by Curly Bill, which is um, Powers Booth's character, mm-hmm. and uh, and Johnny Ringo, and so they come across Wyatt and Doc, and you can already tell that. Um, you know, they already know Wyatt's reputation. The thing about Wyatt being a lawman is like he's not just famous amongst the the sheriffs and the politicians. He's also famous among the criminals. Um, so they they know who he is and they know his reputation. But Wyatt is not about to you know get bum rushed by twenty five people or more at this point. You know, um, so they come in. You know, he's like, oh, I've heard of you or whatever, and he's just like. You know, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm retired, you know, and you can just, you can already feel the tension in the scene, you know? And so he, he like, I'm assuming he loses on purpose to give, give away some of the money to the Cowboys Mm. to kind of make them, put them at ease. Um, And uh, anyway, Powers Booth, by the way, also great. Yeah. Um, The genesis of my, one of my top, favorite gifts on the internet is uh yes uh, well bye um which you gotta put a little same. more you gotta put a little more a little more pause the, in that. well you gotta put a little <laughs> more of the uh well 
Bah, it's it's like a little more. It's not quite <laughs> like I don't really not care. Quite southern. It's not mm, quite a. Bah. It's it's but there's a little bit of a twang to it, you know. Bah. Yeah, Texan. I guess there's a little more know. of a Texan. I, I don't know. So yeah, I would. I guess maybe it's. I don't know where that character is really from, but it does come across as like maybe a Texan twang, and that yeah. that is that is what makes it for me. Is yes. that is that twang? Yeah, I I use that when people unfriend me on Facebook. I have to admit. <laughs> That multiple times I have then gone back and messaged them that meme and that meme only. <laughs> oh no no I'm sorry the gif no 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 I don't do the gif I do the gif. Yeah of course yeah you have to use the gif yeah the gif well, right because you need his yeah. f- the full evolution of his facial expression right um to really send the message no, nobody ever replies to that oddly no, I don't know why yeah, it's strange <laughs> imagine that oh my that. goodness That's um so. Um, so, so anyway, you know, you think just for a brief moment that Wyatt has resolved the tension between the protagonists and the Cowboys. And then Johnny Ringo speaks up to Doc. Mm-hmm. And at that mm-hmm. moment, we've already seen two or three scenes of when you challenge Doc, you better be ready to finish it because he's right. not going to turn it off, you know? Yeah. And so he's just like, are you retired too? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and of course doc's like i'm i'm gonna have to really be careful not to recite this entire scene when we do when we discuss this right now because sure. it's so easy to get into it but yeah. anyway you know you know doc has been drinking what else is new and and um so before they get into their gun flipping versus cup flipping uh contest they start First of all, we talk about memorable lines, but not just memorable lines. But Doc Holliday has some of the best trash talk in cinema history. Yeah, because um, it's so eloquent and cutting oh, yeah. at the yes. same time. Yes. Um, because it, 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 the other thing about his gambling is that he never loses right. uh, either. You know, so he usually gets people pretty angry at him. Um, and he's been accused of, being, of cheat. I, I know this is weird. He's winning and he's just being accused of being a cheater. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's these things happen in life. So, um, but yeah, sometimes he'll just come back and he's like, does this mean we're not friends anymore? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. just, just little things like that. So they, um, and people are so unused to that. And, and that's why, because because most of the time, you know, when you get in or or when someone gets in a back and forth with someone, like the anger just keeps escalating. Or you have someone who, who will try to de-escalate it, and you don't have someone usually that will just sort of openly mock, but not, you know, but but to a point where the other person is kind of disarmed by it. You know, they're not yes. really sure how to how to keep you know, progressing from there. He maintains mm. his composure like yeah. uh, at all times, oh, yeah. even oh, when he's man. drunk. Right. And he doesn't and, uh, flinch. Yeah. I mean, so I, like... I want to kind of, I want to kind of go through the Latin of this exchange. And, and because apparently not only are they talking trash to each other in Latin, but there is subtext and implication to the Latin. They are quoting <laughs> at each other, which for a film like tombstone has, has no business being this. Deep. Oh Yeah. Right. But, oh, but yeah. anyway, so, you know, they he mocks him about. So what's funny is, you know, we already established Doc is not going to let it go. Right. Mm. So Wyatt tries to intervene and, you know, he just puts his hand up at, at Johnny and and Curly Bill is like, 
he's drunk, you know, like, yeah, we've all been there kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> and then Doc starts popping off. He just says, uh, yep. you know, in vino veritas, which literally means, you know, in truth, there is wine, which I take to mean, yeah, I'm drunk. And that means I'm saying, what's uh, right, on right, 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 right. It was like, you're going to get how I really feel. <laughs> This is great yeah. because I've never, I don't think I've ever actually known what was said in that scene. So this is like educational for, for yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> we're here, yeah, we're here, we're here for education. So Ringo fires back, I think it's like Ajay Karajis or something. I, I'm going to pronounce the Latin terribly. But but um, the translation is do what you do best, which I would say to him because they've already had a conversation. He says, well, I'm in my prime, you know. Yeah. And he says, all right, basically like draw. Like let's yeah. see, because like if you're so bad, let's see how bad you are. Um and so Doc's response translated into English says, the Jew Appella might believe it, but not I, um, which is a quote from Horace's satires, apparently. Um, so he's like quoting ancient literature at him. Not only that, but he's getting deeper with it. Um, and so uh, at that point, Ringo ta- uh, taps his gun and he goes, youth is the teacher of fools. Hmm. Um and then, and, then, um, <clears throat> and so then Doc uh, allegedly quotes from Edgar Allan Poe's The Cask of Amontillado. I don't know if, if that's actually from that or if it just shares the same. But he just says, rest in peace to him. So Wow. <laughs> so he's like, I'm young enough. He's like, I'm young enough to take you, old man. He's like, well, bury it, you know, dig your own grave. <laughs> you know? oh, and, wow. and that's when And that's when Johnny draws on him. Um, so like he was just never, and I think that was the, and, and, and something else too is, um, obviously, you know, it's a movie, you know, whatever, mm. but Kilmer, Kilmer making sure he never flinched in that yeah. whole scene either too. Like he just was not, if anything, his eyes just followed the gun. Like yeah. he's just like, like he was almost like, uh, like he was the Terminator or Predator yeah. or something. Like he was just studying his enemy he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna figure you out like right now and you don't even know it kind of thing and uh so anyway yeah that whole exchange and then of course you know he gets him you know he he's flips the cup at him in return totally you know kind of humiliating him um and so yeah and that and that ended up being the great disarming moment um of of the scene which was uh so yeah the classic classic scene well, and, and what's so great about that is, you know, you, you contrast that with, um, and I won't jump into this too much, uh, if, if, you know, if you're planning on focusing on it specifically later, but you contrast that with like when they actually finally have their showdown Yeah, and, you know, and I think that's sort of true to real, to real life in the sense that when, when it's a room full of people and, and Johnny and Johnny Ringo is you know brash and flamboyant yes. and this that and the other like he feels pretty safe because i think he you know doesn't expect uh doc holiday to to do anything there and when it comes down to it and it's the two of them and he's not expecting him to show up at all oh, like man. i i felt like uh you know rooker played that scene you know pretty well because i mean you you can tell he's scared like he did not yeah. He did not want this actual fight when it's actually there and it's just the two of them out in out in the woods about to have uh, a duel. And like I said, I think that just compares so much to real life, because if people are in a crowd, 
they feel they feel pretty mm-hmm. safe and pretty secure. But if it's you know outside of that, a lot of times they will be you know uh, much less confrontational and brash. Yeah. Which, by the way, proceeds. I, I think I will put my cards down and say my favorite Doc line was when Ringo realizes that <clears throat> I'm going to fast forward. We're, we're going to we're going to go back and fill in the gaps here for sure. But at the end of the film, the climax, Ringo has. Um, challenge Wyatt to a duel, this sort of climactic battle to go ahead and just end the conflict that has arisen. And, um, and Wyatt has this real crisis of conscience because he realizes he is not gifted enough as a gunslinger mm-hmm. to beat Ringo, but Doc is. And unbeknownst to Wyatt, Doc beats him to the showdown and shows up instead, shows up before he gets there. And when Ringo sees that Doc is the one walking towards him, like it is, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, and that scene is shot so perfectly too. You just see this shadowy figure. And then like he walks into the frame and like his face is the last thing that's revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and yeah. of course he, he hits him with the, I'm your Huckleberry, you know? Um, and when, um, when uh michael baines you know his his face man like when he just like just shows that that it's that moment of fear that you can't hide like it's it's the real reaction Mm -hmm. and you you can't do it my favorite line is he says why johnny ringo you look like somebody just walked over your grave yeah um (laughs) which is some of the some of the coldest stuff man when you say that but uh uh it's just my just my favorite and again it goes back to his delivery kind of the accent that he gave Mm -hmm. and and all that stuff you know it's that real southern that kind of savannah southern accent i say savannah southern accent like you know like that episode of the office um not like a a true savannah perhaps i don't know but anyway that sort of sophisticated southern accent uh, Mm -hmm. that he brings to it and uh, yeah, so listen, I mean, we, we, we can come back to that point later, but um, the, I want to go to at least the next sort of iconic scene, which is when, you know, eventually um, tensions boil to a head and it's the gunfight at the OK Corral and mm-hmm. um, where Wyatt and Doc and Virgil and, and Morgan are... Uh, going to take on not the whole gang but a like a group of five or six of the cowboys that have that have created uh, a stir in town and they you know they made examples of them and embarrassed them so now they're calling for blood and all this other stuff mm-hmm. so basically um the iconics it's the scene on the poster like it's just this iconic scene of um the four of them walking down the street this dusty street it's just such a it is like the quintessential western movie picture yeah to me you know it's just them walking down the street to uh to to the fight and um mm-hmm. and in the film itself there's no there's no score uh when they're walking or it's very very low it starts to build but um i, I was wrong about that but and like you just feel the tension grow it's shot just so well like you know they come mm-hmm. in tight across their faces and move across their faces as they keep walking and then out of nowhere, some kid just runs up and like screams at him. And it's like, it's better than half the jump scares that I've seen in, uh, in horror movies, uh, in the past month is, uh, you know, this kid just runs out of nowhere going bang, 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 bang. And, like, yeah, and, yeah, just, yeah. and they all just kind of jump back for a second. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that scene and it's replicated for the end credits with the main theme of the movie 
playing over it and it's just like it's hair raising man like the theme to this film is that the music uh, the score is is wonderful and uh, the main theme is probably my favorite western definitely my favorite western theme um and it's it's up there with, with other ones too but it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's just classic stuff yeah um so you know we move on from you know the 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 fight happens and and they uh you know they 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 kill some of the some of the cowboys there and that then you know uh escalates the issue which uh, retaliation is is brought upon them and you wonder like going back and watching that scene like it, it gets triggered because doc winks yes at, um improvised at... by the way oh it was oh okay. that was improvised oh, by Kilmer. wow yeah <laughs> so you wonder if how that would have played if it would have played out differently if uh you know if um you know he hadn't winked at the at the guy because that that right. was what really spooked him um thomas um What's his Thomas name Hayden again? Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was that was interesting. Now, um, while while uh, Val Kilmer um, improvised the wink, apparently, according to the historical record, the last the last uh, kill in the fight of OK Corral, like actually happened was well, it actually happened the way that it did. But um doc's response to where the guy was like i've got you now you son of a and and he goes well you're a daisy if you do apparently he really said um that that was a true true line um um but yeah so yeah it's a uh, and i just want to say this real quick too uh the uh, uh, piece of trivia that we didn't really mention before val kilmer has been quoted as saying that uh, the screenwriter, Kevin Jar, who was, you know, the initial director, insisted that the actors wear real wool costumes in accordance with the time period. Mm. Um, just, just, just keep in mind, tombs, they, they shot this in Arizona, um, <clears throat> which is where Tombstone is. Mm. Um, in the Birdcage Theater scene, which, you know, they're, uh, where uh, all these characters are in and you meet Dana Delaney's character on stage for the first time and stuff. Um, Val Kimmer said that a thermometer on set read 134 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like I, I was curious then when they um, when they actually what time of year they actually shot that because you know I have relatives in Phoenix. I, apart from Georgia where I've lived my whole life, I've spent more time in Arizona, the the Phoenix area, than anywhere else on the planet. And I mean it routinely gets up to you know 120 there Mm -hmm. in the summer and i guess maybe you know in parts there it can uh, get beyond that but when as soon as you said that they were wearing like wool costume i'm thinking oh my gosh i hope you guys didn't shoot this in the summer because how how did you survive that then like it it probably (laughs) like it, it then it then worked out well for uh, Doc to always look like he was sweating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it looked like he was on the verge of then, dying. Yeah. yeah. Then they then they just wouldn't have had to have. Maybe <laughs> maybe he didn't even have to act that that much. Maybe that was you know. But for all the he other, was really coughing up blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for all the other characters, they would have uh, yeah constantly been having to you know try to keep them from uh, looking like they were dying. So with the, with the heat and everything, allegedly, uh, Kilmer suggested jokingly that this was the reason that doc holiday killed so many people. <laughs> um, he said, it's just like he wore wool in the summer. 
in Arizona, and that made him mad. Yeah. <laughs> this was the quote given by uh, Kilmer about that. So um, <clears throat> having talked about uh, you know favorite holiday lines, um, my favorite Wyatt line, which might, oh gosh, it's hard to say. You know, it feels almost a little sacrilegious for the movie, you know, for, for loving the movie to say that your favorite quote is not a holiday line. But the more and more I watch it as I get older, my favorite scene, or at least it's the most cathartic, will build up to it for a second. So the outcome of the OK Corral is multiple cowboys were killed. And so, um, you know, they, they decide to put out a hit on Wyatt's family. And so uh, Virgil gets, you know, you know, mortally injured. He ends up losing an arm. And the the youngest brother, Morgan, is, is killed. And so... Um, and they attempt to kill their wives too in a failed, you know, uh, murder attempt as well. And so this is this does enough to shake up Wyatt and um and they end up leaving Tombstone and that's where the well by uh comes from. Yeah. Um so uh at that after as they're leaving, kind of out of frame, um Curly Bill's uh, Powers Booth's character uh References, I can't remember who, but one of the other cowboys to say to take a few others to follow them to uh, kill them at the train station when they're trying to leave town. And so, you know, you see that play out and you're like, they have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then right as they you hear one of them yell out to one of the women, hey, where's Wyatt? And he's like, I'm right behind you. It's mm-hmm. like it's like yeah. it's some Batman Begins stuff, you know. Yeah. It turns around and, you know, eats a shotgun to the chest. Which yeah. is It's pretty brutal. But the way the film takes you on this emotional roller coaster. Um, and, and also like, you know, I think Tim and I, Tim, I think we might've talked about this offline once or twice, but you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of films and I think especially like in the late eighties and through the nineties and stuff. And I think you probably even see it a little bit in like, I'm guessing cause I haven't seen this film franchise yet, but like in your John wicks and your mm-hmm. takings and stuff, is that if you attack something really vulnerable and, you know, borderline innocent, um, it creates this sort of justifiable sense of bloodlust in the viewer mm, Yeah. to where you want to see this over, overactive sense of vengeance take place, you know? Mm. And um, so I, I think about that happening. And the, for this movie, I don't feel as guilty about it. But there's, I think about like pretty much any Mel Gibson movie from the, the late 80s or 90s, like something terrible happens to him <laughs> or his family. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to just murder everything. Revenge, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Just, just very <laughs> revenge driven, you know. Um, and I think in, in big installments, that's really unhealthy. But um, this, this movie, that, this, this scene is so satisfying. Um, because it also yeah. ties back to the beginning of the movie. Like he, he kills the guy with the gun and, and true to his fashion, he doesn't actually kill all of them. He keeps, mm-hmm. he keeps, uh, you know, Ike Clanton, this ro- roach of a, of a villain who <laughs> always seems to survive. Yeah. Um, and he's the most obnoxious out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he leaves him alive to be the messenger mm-hmm. and, Kurt Russell's like increasing volatility in this, Mm -hmm. in this monologue he gives, he just says, you know, he's like every cowboy I see is dead. Like, you know, and he's like, 
And he's like, you tell them all that law is coming. And like, and that that feels like a, it's a shame that that sentiment feels really compromised nowadays. uh, The Mm -hmm. idea of law and order and stuff. But in the microcosm of this story, it feels so redemptive in a, in in, in a wrath in a God's wrath sort of way. Right. You know, that evil is going to be punished. And the best part uh, as it ramps up to is, you know, it, it, we were talking about how Johnny Ringo was quoting revelation after he murdered the priests and the, and the, and he talks about the, the horseman of that he rode on, rode on a pale horse and the man that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And he's just screaming at the top of his lungs. You tell them all that I'm coming and hell's coming with me. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, you know, theologically <laughs> hell is not the most formidable force in eternity, but mm-hmm. you know, it makes for a good movie line. Um, (laughs) and so it's, uh, and, and from that moment, you just get this violent montage of, Mm -hmm. uh, cowboys being just, uh, killed with reckless abandon. Um, and and it is satisfying. Um, and, and it worked, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's a movie. So, um, (laughs) it's so, uh, but anyway, the way it just kind of works itself out is pretty, uh, pretty wild. Um, and so that, you know, kind of leads to the the inevitable showdown uh, that ends up being Ringo and Ho- and Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's a really cathartic few minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I I think that's completely valid as a favorite line in that yeah. movie. And, yeah. and it, you know, and going back to the apples to oranges thing, like I, I feel like it's sort of that too, like with, you know, docs lines are great, but in a different way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the thing that stuck out to with, um, for me with, with Wyatt was, was that, and then that was, you know, his best line and yeah, maybe the best line of the movie, but then, you know, sort of like we've, we've talked about in a couple of these other scenes, how there were equally great scenes where there was almost no dialogue uh, within it. And so then the other one that stands out for me was when, you know, it's not the climactic fight, but it's the climactic fight for, for Wyatt really, because it's oh, the scene yeah. at the river where, you know, they're pinned down between two groups of cowboys and it's going bad. And I think he caught realizes, yeah. yeah, caught in the crossfire. And I think he realizes like they, they can't, um, you know, like there's no real way out of this with like conventional tactics or whatever. And he, he just basically wills them to a, a win in that where he's just, you, he is so mad. I like he, all, yeah. all he, all he says is no, but yeah. he just keeps saying no, no. It's like, this is, I am not going to let this happen. And, mm-hmm. and if, if I go out this way, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out, you know, just walking straight at you to take you out. Uh, and that's what, you know, and like, they just, again, they don't know what to do. Like Curly Bill is like trying to get the others to stop firing so he can go have this showdown with him. Um, and, uh, that was, yeah, that was another one of my, those two seems for Wyatt, like going back and watching those again prior to this, um, reminded me exactly what, you know, you were talking about earlier about how, like his performance, you know, it gets overshadowed by um, by Val Kilmer and Do- as Doc Holliday, uh, but but for what he does, it's it's so good and so mm-hmm. on point in some of those moments uh, yeah. that I, I really have grown to appreciate it a lot more, you know, over the years. Do you yeah. want to hear something insane? Sure. 
from what I've read, from what I've read over the years about this movie, that scene in the Creek Mm -hmm. actually happened like that. Wow. Like Wyatt, Wyatt and his men were caught in a crossfire and he just went out into the open and killed him. Like, and like, and I'm because, because, you know, when, when you hear based on a true story and -hmm. you watch this movie play out, that's like the one and only scene, or at least like the first scene that comes to mind where I'm like, okay, yeah. We, we, we got to Hollywood this thing up. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. And, and, and strangely yeah. enough, that is apparently like maybe I read some wrong information or something like that. But I, I do recall reading in spots that that scene actually happened. That is pretty close to actually how it actually went down, which let's can we just revisit Doc for a second? Also, it brings up another one of his great scenes after yes. that scene. Yes. Re- release, you know, the tension releases. They're like, you know, they're all just kind of calming down after the fight. And they're like, where's Wyatt? And he goes, down by the creek, walking on water. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. So good. Um, gosh, the yeah. last, oh, I, I don't know if it'll really be the last quote that I give before we finish tonight. But um, the thing is, like, once it kind of ties up at the end, and after, I mean, like, a good percentage of, of Kilmer's best lines are in the Ringo fight um, mm. or leading up to it or in that scene. But after, after it's over, you get one more brief montage of them cleaning up the rest of the Cowboys and, until they completely either abandon their allegiance to the gang or are dead. Right. And um, <clears throat> he, he, um, I don't know, there's something, it may be kind of corny, but I don't know. I, I really like it, but he just, um, you know, Wyatt looks at Doc and he says, so are you ready to finish it? And he goes, he goes, okay. He goes, one last ride. The, it's like, uh, the last ride of Wyatt Earp and his immortals. Um, which is such a, um, uh, such a good movie line. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, it's, it's a, it's a fun, you know, it's, it's, it's Western. It's it, adventurous in that way. It really does. Mm-hmm surprisingly flesh out multiple characters you kind of understand people's motivations and and what kind of people they are and so it does mm-hmm. mean something when some of them die and yeah um and it's yeah and there i mean that we didn't even talk about the entire side plot that's there like you know the romance side plot which i'd just mm-hmm. as well leave on you know not talked about i don't really care about <laughs> it all that much but um <clears throat> you know you have to that felt i mean again i think that was it was there, there was truth to that story, so it was going to be told. But I didn't even need, I, I didn't even need that to for the movie to be great. But mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. yeah, well, and and to throw in one more, um, which is probably towards the end of you know, or it is towards the end of you know, all his quotes is you know he's he's been the 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 comic relief a very wise comic relief but you get this bit of wisdom from him at the end where um you know Wyatt Earp is has kind of been you know resisting this idea of of um pursuing this relationship with this woman uh because he he was you know married and you know obviously his his marriage was just was going downhill um his wife didn't really seem to want to be a part of it anymore. But anyway, he's been like, you know, reluctant to do this. And, and so, and so uh, doc tells him at the end, he's talking about wanting to return to a normal life. And doc tells him, uh, you know, there's no normal life, Wyatt. It's just life. Get on with it. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely, that definitely 
uh, resonated with me just i mean on a personal level and then just on a just everything crazy that's happened in the world sure. level mm-hmm. of just accepting that what my idea of normal was 10 15 20 years ago whatever is 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 never going to happen um and um uh, you know i i I just i thought that was a great line yeah yeah for all the talk of returning back to normal right now you know i think it's a it's a solid lesson to to keep close Mm -hmm. um and that scene with doc was, was was really uh yeah, it was really moving. Like it, it you know, this is going to sound silly, but it kind of reminds me, and, and and it's not exactly the same again because this is somewhat based on a true story. Um, but about that romantic side plot, it felt a lot like two other movies that I really treasure: um, The Karate Kid and Back to the Future. Which is to say, there is a friendship that is probably the more emotional connection in the movie. Right. More than the romance, you know, you have, uh, you know, Daniel and Miyagi or, or Marty and doc. And yeah, there's a girl involved because there has to be, um, because it's the movies. And I mean, that's not, yeah, I'm, I don't mean that in some sort of, uh, dismissive way towards female characters, but like, it's clear not a lot was really put into integrating those characters mm. in the movie. And if, right. if you wanted to have an emotional connection, you can do that in a friendship. Right. And, and that, and that friendship is, is, is met there with, with Wyatt and doc. And uh, it's, it is a really touching scene at the end, you know, doc eventually passes. And, and again, it's um, it took a little background research on, on my part, but doc also dies giving a one liner. Um, which apparently he was quoted, um, you know, in his younger days, I guess, saying that he would die with his boots on and which is to say, you know, live life, you live fast, die, you know, live by the gun, die by the gun, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he's laying in this hospital bed and he looks down and his feet are out from underneath the sheets and he looks and he kind of side, side cocks his head and looks down at his and sees his toes and he just goes that's funny (laughs) you know it's just like interesting like uh guess guess i'm not gonna die with my boots on um (laughs) so anyway it's just um you know it's it's bittersweet but even 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 in death doc has still maintained his wit a little bit um so it's a uh and, and also too just a little side note like um Doc is, 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 is increasingly frustrated because he feels like a burden to Wyatt when he's bedridden. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's like, you know, mm. please stop coming to see me. You know, right. and like, like basically, you know, like what you were saying, Jared, like you need to move on with your life, you know, like my right. time is up. Um, but Wyatt is equally loyal to Doc as, right. as Doc is to him. And so, um, he, I can't remember what he says, but he, he has this multi-layered insult to Wyatt while they're playing cards. Uh, Cause he comes in and plays cards with him and he's like, he's like, you're the most stubborn, ignorant, whatever, you know, kind of thing. And he's saying this with weak in his breath and his voice and stuff. And Wyatt just goes, I call. And then, you know, he puts his money down and he plays and doc still wins. <laughs> like Even, even on his deathbed, uh, doc is not losing at cards. So uh, uh, find that, find that amusing. Interesting. Yeah. 
Oh man! Well, listen, Tombstone. It can't be. It can't be uh, recommended enough. I think when I looked it up before, I know this is kind of an obscure app, but if you have any streaming devices, um, the website IMDb, the uh, Internet Movie Database, has a streaming app, which is similar to like the cheap, the cheaper Hulu plan, where you can watch movies with commercial breaks. Um, I saw Tombstone on that recently. Um, and I'm not sure what other services it is. I didn't really. Do. I usually do a, a deep dive on that before we post an episode, so I can tell you guys where to find it. But honestly, too, um, I have such a deep uh, affection for Tombstone. I would, I would just suggest you just buy it. Um, it's, it's worth having if you, if you are a person who uh, buys movies in any format. It's definitely one you, you would want to go back to uh, on another day. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, well, do you have, do you guys have any other, um, any other things to say about Tombstone? Anything we didn't cover that maybe we wanted to mention any lingering doc holiday lines that you want to, you want to quote, uh, before we go? No, I think, I think for me, you know, we've covered most of them. I mean that, um, you know, of course that, that climactic scene with Johnny Ringo is, um, is so satisfying. Yes. Um, Yeah. You know, to oh, finally, man. you know, have that teased over and over. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of um, there was something I was thinking of in terms of uh, oh, it was um, it was almost sort of like it was almost sort of like once upon a time in in Hollywood. I mean, to a lesser extent, but where you know you keep flirting with this um, thing between uh, you know Brad Pitt's character Cliff mm. and then. You know, are, are they going to cross paths? And then, you know, you, you almost have that little run in with um, with Tex, you know, and yeah. and then you're like, what, where is this going? Is this ever going to <laughs> uh, are, are, are these guys ever going to meet up again? And you finally get it. That was, I guess, maybe um, the, the closest thing that reminded me of, like, you know, just getting teased by it almost to the point like you're mm-hmm. like, man, we're never going to get this, you know. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything too profound. It was it was great. Just a definitely a a fond movie for me. For for someone who's typically not that into westerns, you know, I, like if I hadn't gotten you know dragged to this one, I I would have probably not had that much interest in in seeing it on my own. And mm-hmm. it turns out to be you know just sort of like a little all time favorite. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No. Same here. Yeah. I I know Stephen, you mentioned earlier about having a Shawshank Redemption. Feel, and I feel like it's it's one of those movies kind of like that or maybe A Few Good Men where if you are flipping channels on like, you know, in a hotel yes. or like cable TV, this is one that you could just flip through and just, just watch, you know, in the middle, you know, in the middle of it. I don't know, whatever you're doing, you could just mm-hmm. stop and watch it. It has that just the, the cast, the production quality, the script um, all around. It's, I don't know, it's just one of those great timeless films. And it's one of those movies... This is a whole other tangent. I'll, I'll be brief, but no, I, go I, there is one I did see. So I did see Unforgiven, um, you know, which is a you know you mentioned it's a year before this, and so coming into this movie, I didn't know if it was going to have more of kind of that demythologizing feel of Unforgiven, like kind of like unromanticizing the Western film, like being more of a realistic. And this one, I feel like it kind of it harkens back to like older Western films, but still is a little modern. I don't know. It kind of it does this middle ground where it's, I don't know. It's kind of 
pays homage to you know older westerns but also is kind of more modern too i don't i don't know i'm haven't thought this through but i feel like it fits this really kind of middle territory really well I, something about that it just i think yeah i think it just it just pulled that that sweet spot off really really well yeah i i think to your to your point there too about like you know 90 90s movies were sort of like in a time where they could still go really i mean they i mean it still can't happen today but i really think of like the 90s as this time period where 80s like you had like the really over the top um yeah. <laughs> movies and the yeah, cheesy movies yeah. and like in in the 90s we kind of started to transition away to some some you know more serious stuff which i mean mm-hmm. there you know i guess had been you know serious stuff prior to that the 80s were you know, some of the seventies and eighties were kind of their own little interesting thing when it came to, um, what was happening with, with cinema. Um, but nineties, like you, you, you just didn't know like Mm -hmm. which way it was going to go with some of that stuff. And just like we saw with, um, some of the Batman, like the evolution of speaking of, (laughs) speaking of like, to die Val Kilmer to, you know, Batman forever. And then Batman and Robin, like, you know, you look at like how different, the first Batman was compared to the fourth Batman and, you know, kind of that progression there of like over the top and cheesiness and stuff. And so I think a lot of times, you know, producers really had and directors, actors, everybody had to kind of walk a, you know, a fine line between, you know, giving some entertaining and exciting stuff without, you know, treading into over the top and cheesy. And so, um, I, I think, I think I credit, you know, Tombstone and a lot of other movies that were made during that time for, um, you know, being able to pull that off without, uh, and, and add in some, you know, some flavor and stuff mm-hmm. like that without being like, without like going into like full nineties, uh, <laughs> you know, decadence or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It didn't have the, the gin blossoms on the soundtrack or anything like that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, there, there's a real, Trans, you know, transporting experience with the film, but it doesn't feel like like a period piece, you know. Right. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel boring, you know. And I, and I don't necessarily mean that like films that are a little more true to their time and atmosphere are boring, but I think a lot like Saving Private Ryan or, um, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like older period piece films and stuff that that happen in certain times. And there's a certain, there's almost a certain handcuffing um, of the story and the execution Mm -hmm. of the performances uh, in, in other films that, that um, sort of tie you to a certain, it's limiting, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's not like, yeah, like, like it's not like you, you had some big nineties, um splash on the film but it just didn't feel like it limited itself like the the action i i can't tell you where i thought the action was modern but it felt modern you know mm-hmm. like yeah it, yeah. it, it was kind of like you know um this is kind of a bad example because i do think this next western example is a is kind of like 
the 90s throwing up on a movie is, is the Young Guns franchise. I don't know if you guys remember that with Emilio Estevez and uh, Keeper Sutherland and stuff. It was like the the Billy the Kid story. Yeah, um, okay. it's inter it's entertain. So that I you know it sounds like I'm picking on it, but but it's it, it's entertaining in its own way. Mm. Um, but it definitely feels like like a 90 like a western in the 90s kind of thing like it's 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 all those all those actors all those like you know like little brat packy actors playing cowboys kind of thing um but here there's a there's a level of authenticity to it and i think a lot of that goes to one kurt russell is playing playing a man out of time Mm -hmm. i mean here like like he 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 played wyatt earp like he belonged back in the old western days it's far as my experience goes um sam elliott is a you know uh, is a touchstone of, of western cinema um and then a lot of the a lot of the background characters like integrating some of those old hollywood western hallmarks uh even in even in supporting roles you know yeah um did a lot to it you know from robert mitchum narrating to harry Carey jr playing the sheriff the the old sheriff um and then you know uh, it's it's interesting to look back now and see that like jason Priestley and billy zane and and john and john corbett and and these guys are in this movie but it doesn't feel like the guy from 90210 is is Mm -hmm. in this movie you know what i mean like so i think there there's just some veil of authenticity that separates what's right in front of you from from it feeling like bon bon jovi is going to show up in the soundtrack of the credits you know yeah yeah. um which happens in one of the young guns movies which is yeah i mentioned (laughs) that uh which don't get me wrong blaze of glory is a great song um and i love (laughs) actually i actually kind of love not that i don't love it i appreciate young guns for what it is um but but it's 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 on a completely different planet than tombstone though um there's um there's there's actually another one this I don't want to get down too far down this rabbit trail but when you're saying the young guns I was I was kind of flashing back to this um TV series that came on and I was I young was riders. the young riders yes and uh, I'm not sure if you ever saw any of that but it was uh it was Josh Brolin you know was in as there as Wild, Wild Bill Hickok. Hickok Stephen Baldwin yes. uh, was in wow. there and um i don't I remember, do remember this. but but it only ran for a few years and i think it got like you know canceled pretty that much was right around point. tombstone though wasn't it? it it was i just looked it up it was actually prior to it it was like 89 to 92 so it okay. was oh, wow. uh, three or four se- three or four yeah three seasons um and and it was actually it was it was fun too and i had forgotten i just hadn't i just now remembered you know like josh brolin was a part of that yeah, but that it too. was you know it was it was this fictionalized thing about the pony express um and and some of those like famous figures but you know it was like surprisingly thinking thinking was, back now it's like surprisingly modern and and sort of progressive for mm-hmm. i think the time with where you had a a Native American character. You had a character, um, a girl that was pretending to be a guy because otherwise she wouldn't get uh, get to do that. But uh, it was for what it was like. I remember being really disappointed. I mean, I was like uh, twelve, maybe when it got canceled. But I remember like, oh man, I really, you know, like oh, that man. show. I'm so glad I know somebody else who knows that show. Yeah, yeah, I remember watching it. I don't remember much about it. All I pretty much remember was Josh Brolin because, of course, yeah. the Goonies. 
you know, it was, mm. was, that was the last yeah. time I had seen yeah. him and I watched the Goonies on repeat when I was a right. kid. So I was like, Oh, it's brand from the Goonies. And of course then <laughs> I, when I saw him in no country for old men, all those years later, I immediately thought of yeah. wild bill because of the sort of Western motif of that. And mm-hmm. anyway, and now he's Thanos. Or yeah. was, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Good for Josh Brolin. It makes me, I don't know. He, I don't know what kind of person he is, but I'm just happy <laughs> for it. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's awesome. Ah, good pull, Jerry. Good pull. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that that'll be as good as a transition as any, I guess. Uh, to, if we're if we're good uh, to 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 wrap up, guys. Is there, we good? Okay. I think so. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us for Red Dead Reckoning um, and our and our retrospective on tombstone if you are interested in joining us for the rest of the month of november i'm just going to go ahead and sort of lay out the menu we are going to go from here to another series that we all treasure in our own different ways we are going to explore the trinity of good indiana jones movies um so we'll be going from raiders of the lost ark temple of doom and last crusade uh, and we'll wrap that up at the end of the month and hopefully may have a surprise for you on last crusade day we'll see what happens but um nevertheless uh thank you guys for joining us uh feel free to follow us on instagram night cheese with steven and tim uh search us out on twitter pod night cheese and always we're on facebook at night cheese podcast with steven and tim and thanks for joining us let us know if there's anything we can review for you or what did you think of tombstone or have you been in motivated to check it out you won't regret it um but until next time keep working on your night cheese Well, uh, most desirable male was the uh, what? Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, you know the character who had tuberculosis for the entire movie yeah, and was, was cough, coughing up a lung and pale bleeding, and most sweating, <laughs> pale and sweating and sweaty and pale and just yeah, and the most desirable for sure. <laughs>